Well, good morning, Springbrook. Welcome into the house of the Lord for worship this morning. We are so glad to be with you. If it's your first time here, or maybe your first time back in a long time, maybe you're just visiting during this holiday season, we are especially grateful to have you with us. We pray you feel welcomed and excited about what the Lord is doing in this place. We are certainly expectant of him to move in our time together in great ways. If you're joining us online at our 9 o'clock service, I want to remind you, as always, our online hosts are available for you. They'd love to answer your questions. They would love to pray with you. We want to know that you're here. We want to know what you're going through and what the Lord is doing in your life. So I encourage you to participate in that chat throughout the service as you feel led. And certainly use the request prayer button if you'd like to go into a one-on-one private chat with one of our hosts. Well, we are now entering into the second Sunday in the season of Advent. And if you weren't with us last week, we lit the first candle on the Advent wreath. And each Sunday leading up to Christmas Eve, we will light a candle on the wreath as the light grows steadily brighter as we grow nearer to the time of Christ coming. And we will light the second candle this morning. I'd love to invite you to stand as you are able, either in body or in spirit, for our call to worship, which today comes from Psalm 98. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of the melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let's make a joyful noise together this morning.
Amen.
and you may be seated. Finds peace not simply as an absence of conflict, but as shalom, the presence of wholeness and completeness in which everything is as it ought to be. As we look around the world today, we know that all is not as it ought to be. We experience the disruption of shalom every day of our lives. And yet, because of the baby born in Bethlehem, we have access to peace that transcends our understanding. By His Spirit, we can truly experience the shalom of God. As we continue through this season of waiting and anticipation, may we find rest in the one who is called the Prince of Peace. We read today the words spoken through the prophet Micah as he foretells the coming of Jesus, the arrival of our peace. Micah 5, 2-5 But you, O Bethlehem Epaphrata, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, From you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of the brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God." And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Thanks be to God. Amen. We're going to teach you a new song this morning, and so I'm going to sing through the chorus once, and then I'm going to invite you to sing it along with me, and then the band will join in, and we will sing it together. So this is a song that proclaims that Jesus is our King, and here is how the, ho- the chorus will go. Holy, holy, hear the angels sing. Our King, worthy, worthy, all creation sings. Jesus is our King. Can you all sing that with me? King, worthy, worthy, all creation sings, Jesus is our King. Amen. Let's stand together.
together today to celebrate um, communion. Communion, not unlike Advent, is an opportunity for us to 
celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ as we wait with eager anticipation to his second coming. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to uh, be reading along with our Advent Bible reading plan uh, this past week, but um, I came across the passage in my reading last week that sometimes when you look at a passage, it's like, I didn't see that before, and you see something new. That's happened to me last week as I was thinking about preparing myself um, for Advent. It's a passage from Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 18, that says this, I consider that the sufferings of this present time, the things that are happening around us in this present time, are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, or for fulfillment of those things that are written that are yet to come to pass. And one of the things that struck out with me was is that as we move towards this Christmas season, as we move towards Advent, it's about cultivating in our heart a, a longing for more of Christ in our life. It's to cultivate in our heart more of a longing for the anticipation of his second coming. And we don't have to just wait for Advent to celebrate that. We have an opportunity to celebrate that every time we come together to do communion together. It's an opportunity for us to reflect on the hope that we have in Christ as we wait for, with eager anticipation and longing for his second coming. And so this morning, as we come together to celebrate communion, I just want to encourage you in the quietness of your own heart is to just to reflect on the hope that you have in Christ as you eagerly anticipate his second coming. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, you have questions about communion, we want to invite you, you know, to continue to explore, to find answers to your questions. But communion is an opportunity for us to come together as the body of Christ to celebrate who we are in Christ as we anticipate his second coming. During this next song, we want to invite you to make your way to the front as you feel comfortable to uh, take one of the communion elements. There's two cups, one with bread and juice, and you can take that back to your seat, and you can uh, take communion as the Lord leads you anytime during this next song. If you're unable to, uh, to come to the front and you're more comfortable, you can just raise your hand, and we have members of the communion team that are in the back that will bring communion to you. After communion this morning, you can just, after we're done with the service, you can just take your cup and place them in the trash can on the way out. And if you're watching with us online, hopefully you've had an opportunity to get your communion elements together. But would you pray with me as we set ourselves apart for what God has for us this Advent season? Father, we just thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for the hope that has been laid up for us in heaven. And I pray that you would continue to cultivate in our hearts an, an eager longing for you, for more of you in our life as we anticipate your second coming. God, we thank you for that communion meal. When Jesus got together with the disciples, he lifted that bread up and he said, this is my body, inflected, you know, as my body, broken for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you eat it, uh, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he lifted the cup up and he said, whenever you drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. This is my representative of my blood that has been shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And so we come together this morning, God, to remember those things. I pray that you would continue to draw each of us closer to yourself, especially as we move through this Advent season together. God, we commit our time to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as you feel comfortable making your way to the front, you can take your helmets back to your seats.
together Heavenly Father you are so good to us we thank you for this season of Advent this season of anticipating and preparing our hearts for Christ to come we wait as Israel waited for Jesus to come the first time we wait for Jesus to come in our daily life to show up and to move and to work in us and we wait for his ultimate return where he will be triumphant and glorious over all. Thank you for meeting us in the waiting, waiting that is not always a comfortable place to be. Maybe not ever a comfortable place to be. Thank you for being with us in the already and the not yet, for staying near to us as we wait, as we work through just the difficulties that our lives bring us. We praise you that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us. So whatever we're facing today, whatever we're walking through, you are near. You are working. Holy Spirit, you are speaking and moving. So we ask this morning for faith to see it where you are at work, for eyes to be open to your work, for ears that are open and receptive to your word, for hearts that are tender and humble and willing to receive what you have for us. You are a good God. And you want to give us yourself. I pray that we would be open to you this morning as we continue in worship through receiving the preaching of your word. Will you shape our hearts toward you, Jesus? Will you comfort us in our waiting? Will you encourage us in our faith? Will you empower us and strengthen us to face the next day, knowing that we do not do it alone because you are God with us? You are Messiah, the Lord who saves. And so we offer all of ourselves to you as best as we know how this morning. We come and we open our hearts to you, Jesus. Will you do what you will? Move in power, we pray. In Christ's matchless and perfect and beautiful and holy name, amen. Amen. Well, we are glad that you are with us this morning. If you are watching online, uh, there's a place for you to click that online connection card. We'd love to know that you are with us this morning. Uh, you can just also just say hi in the chat. We've got our online uh, host available to pray with you and answer any questions that you might have. 
And if you're here with us in person today, we're glad you're here as well. And so uh, you've got a connection card that is on your chair. If you could just take a moment uh, sometime during the service to fill that out, put your first and last names on there. Uh, just to let us know that you're with us. If you're a first or second time guest with us today, we're especially glad that you're with us as well. And there's a place for you to drop that off in the back of the service in a black box on your way out if you'd like to do that. Uh, but we are glad that you are uh, with us today. Just want to let you know that we have our Christmas Eve service that is scheduled coming up on Saturday, December 4th. That's Christmas Eve. Uh, we're going to be hosting three services, one at 3, one at 4.30, and then one at 6. And so we're going to give people an opportunity to come that either are still working, that come after work, or if you want to get to your families uh, beforehand, uh, we'll have that 3 o'clock service that's early for you. Uh, but we're uh, just anticipating that there'll be some people engaging with us on, on Christmas Eve this year as we celebrate Christmas on Sunday. And so we'll have one service on Sunday at 10 a.m. And so uh, we just want to encourage you to uh, take this as an opportunity to invite somebody to come to church with you. And so if you want to visit our website, springbrook.org slash Christmas is a place for you to share an invitation to that as well. Uh, but be praying for us as we uh, continue to move towards that holiday. If you have any questions, uh, please be sure to let us know. Also want to let you know that we've got, uh, as we kick off and prepare for next year, we're working on some exciting opportunities as we move into the new year uh, with a series on walking in wisdom. And so uh, we celebrated uh, moving into this year with an encounter series as we prayed about more of experiencing more of the power and presence of Christ in our life. As we move into 2023, we're praying that God would just give us wisdom as we move forward together. And so we'll have up upcoming opportunities for you to learn a little bit more about that. Uh, but if you want to get a head start on that, um, you can visit our website. It's also on our app, uh, more about uh, that uh, initiative, uh, springbrook.org slash wisdom. Uh, we've got some small group curriculum and some curriculum that you can use as a church as we kick off this new series. And so I'd encourage you just to stop by uh, the website as we prepare ourselves for Christmas and for what God has for us uh, in the new year. Uh, and in that vein, we also have our No Regrets Men's Conference coming up in February. And ladies, this is a great thing to buy for your husbands for Christmas. So if you're thinking about that perfect Christmas gift for your husband or for the men in your life, uh, you can go to springbrook.org slash no regrets and purchase them a ticket for our No Regrets Conference. It's going to be right here at Springbrook on February 4th. And so Pastor Matt and Darren and the No Regrets team are getting ready uh, for that. We've got some in-house workshops. You've got some great online speakers, and so if you want to know more information about that, please uh, visit our website. It's our app um, as well. And then lastly, um, our year-end offering, uh, we kicked that off uh, last weekend. We are 10% of the way uh, towards our goal of $25,000 this year, so thank you uh, to all of you that have already begun to start to participate in that. Um, we have, as a part of our initiative, as a part of our budget next year, some exciting things that we'd like to do with regard to our staffing, some things with our facilities, as well as some missions opportunities. And so our year-end offering is going to put us in a healthy position uh, to be able to achieve all that God has for us next year. And so if you want to know more about that year-end offering, uh, please go to our website. Again, it's on our app, springbrook.org slash year-end. And then we've also got some boxes out at the ministry center uh, table that you can pick up this morning. It's a great way to involve your kids. Uh, your family can participate together as we focus on planting and starting healthy churches, uh, both domestically and globally. And so if you want to know more about our year-end offering, please uh, visit the website or uh, uh, open up up on your app. And so we are so glad that you're with us. Pastor Tim's going to come out in just a moment as we continue our series. We're going to be looking at the peace that we have in Christ. And we're, again, we're glad you're with us.
Well, good morning. You know, each year as our family celebrates Thanksgiving, and I know we're now in the Advent season, but uh, Thanksgiving's not that uh, long ago, just uh, about a week and a half ago. But each, each year, one of the things that we do, one of the traditions we have is to gather around and watch the Macy's uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade on TV. Uh, we enjoy doing that together and, and, and watching the, uh, um, the people in the parade, the floats, the, uh, the balloons that they are carrying there through the streets of New York, and, uh, and, and then some of the different musical acts as well. But while it's enjoyable, one of the things that I've noticed is that um, it actually, each year, makes me feel old and kind of out of touch. Um, uh, if my children were here, they will be in the second service. They would say, well, Dad, that's because you are old and out of touch. But, um, uh, but the reason of when, I, when I'm watching the parade that I feel that way is that the commentators will then say, oh, and now we have international superstar and YouTube sensation, and then they'll mention the name of someone, and I'll be like, I've never heard of them. Who is that? And uh, they have everybody cheering this, and often my kids know who these people are. But uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that it seems like, especially in this Internet age, that celebrities seem to come and go at a faster rate than ever before. And, uh, and it's difficult to, to keep up. And so while there are crowds of adoring fans who, who gather around and pursue everything that a, that, that a musical group or that a celebrity is doing... Uh, often they will quickly move on. And even when they are there as adoring fans, they, they don't always really know all that much about the people that they are gathering to see. But there's a sense in which, as we are here at this Advent season, it is right and it is appropriate that we would reflect on a, a, a similar question in our own lives. As we gather here in the season of Advent, and for that matter, as we gather week after week, many of us all year through, who is it that we come to see? Uh, who is this king that we've been singing about? that we come to worship. That very first Christmas, it wasn't that there were crowds of adoring fans that gathered there in that stable in Bethlehem. But there were some visitors. Angels and shepherds. As our nativity scenes remind us, they, they gather in worship of this newborn king. Sometime later, probably actually about two years later, some men from the east, some wise men, some magi, travel following a star. And they come. And as they arrive looking for this king, they come to the city of Jerusalem, imagining that surely that must be the place in a royal palace where this king would be waiting for them. And they said, we have come. We have traveled from afar. We have come to worship this king. We're left wondering what they knew about the king. Did they come because they, they, they believed that this was no ordinary child? Did they come uh, uh, thinking that, that indeed he must be a great king, but not really knowing about him? We, we simply 
don't know. But even we today, like those kings, like, or like those magi coming to worship the king, it is right that we should reflect who is this king we come to worship. In honesty, there are some of us who gather together perhaps week after week, and we come not so very different than those crowds chasing after a celebrity. We come to be entertained. There are some of us who, who come and we think we come to worship this king because maybe we can get something from him. Or maybe we come. We come to worship him simply for who he is in wonder and awe and praise. But what about you? Do you know who is this king that we come to worship. God had promised that he would send a Messiah, a Redeemer, a Savior, a Rescuer, a King to his people, Israel. And in the pages of the Old Testament, we see this promise uh, repeated again and again and again. And in the little book that we're going to spend some time in this morning, the book of Micah, the prophet, that we have already heard read from at the lighting of the candle, we find a people who have strayed from their God. A people who want the benefits of a relationship with God, but without any of the responsibilities. And so, in the book of Micah, and if you have a copy of the Scriptures with you, I'd invite you to start turning there now, because it may take you a few minutes to find it. Uh, the book of Micah, um, in the Old Testament, it comes immediately after the book of Jonah, immediately before the book of Nahum. God begins His message through this prophet, uh, declaring that He is bringing His case against the people of Israel and of Judah, that He is bringing judgment that is coming because of the unfaithfulness of the people, because they have, uh, they have rejected His covenant, they have rejected His commands, and they have rejected His counsel to return. But, instead of Looking to God and to His ways, they have started to gather for themselves false prophets. They've started to put their hope and trust in the comforting words of these false teachers. And God rebukes them. He tells them of a judgment that is coming, but is often the case, as we read through the prophets of the Old Testament, though there is a stern word spoken, there is also the promise of great hope, that God would send his king and that they rightly should know who he is so that they would recognize him and so that they would worship him. Turn with me to Micah in chapter 5, beginning in verse 2. As we've already heard read, let me read it to you again. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, 
who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shall shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Who is this king that God will send? Who is this king and why does it matter? Who is this king and and, and do we truly know him? Who is this king and how does his coming impact our lives? Well, God explains to us who this king is in this wonderful prophecy given about 750 years before that first Christmas. Even here we have the declaration of the fact that he is the king from the line of David. We see that in the statement here in this passage with a declaration, but you, O Bethlehem. And of course, we know from the book of Matthew and chapter 2 that Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem, that that is where Joseph and Mary have traveled to. That is where he is born. That is where the stable is located. But that is more than just a, a, a connection with the New Testament. It is a connection with the covenant of God. Because, you see, the prophecy given so long before that first Christmas tells us exactly where this coming king is to be born. Uh, in the passage here, we see two names given. But you, O Bethlehem, Epaphratha. Uh, and and. This word Epaphratha is actually the the old name of the city or or the village, really, of Bethlehem. Back in the book of Genesis, uh, this village was referred to by that name. And so just as today, we might want to get very specific about somewhere so that we make sure that we don't uh, confuse the place. God is clear and specific. I'm telling you exactly where he will be born. I always think it's interesting on the news, they'll say something like, and today in Paris, France, and there's a picture of the Eiffel Tower there. It's like, well, thanks for that. I I would have guessed it would have been Paris, France, as opposed to Paris, Illinois, because not much happens there. But they're being specific. They want you to know exactly where it is, and God is, is clear as he speaks through his prophets that his promised one, the Messiah, this king who he will send, will come to Bethlehem. But the prophecy here explains not only uh, where it is that he will come, it also speaks of the fact that, but here's the thing, Bethlehem is nowhere. Bethlehem is of no significance. We see this in uh, the way he says, you who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. 
Well, you see, actually, in, in the book of Joshua, chapter 15, in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 11, there are different lists there of the various different towns and cities of the nation of Israel. And what the prophet here is pointing to is the fact, hey, Bethlehem, you don't even make the list. Uh, you're, you're not even, uh, in the eyes of people, you're not even worth thinking about because you were so small and inconsequential. And yet, God will raise up his king from there. He is not only to be born in Bethlehem, but he will be ruler and will lead his people from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. God is going to raise up from a place of seemingly no significance a ruler. But this ruler will come from the place that King David was born. Even though uh, King David had come from there, still the village of Bethlehem was not thought of as being anything significant. But God, here as he speaks through his prophet, is making clear the fact that this king, who is this king? He is king from the line of David. He is king who will fulfill the promise of God. God had made a covenant with King David saying that I will have one of your descendants seated upon your throne, ruling over all the nations, and his kingdom will have no end. And so, to a people who have been disobedient, to a people who are experiencing the discipline and judgment of God, he holds up hope and says, but keep on looking. Keep on waiting, for I will raise up for you a king. Now, in the days of Micah, there was a problem, and that was that the kings that they had had were shameful kings. The kings that they had uh, were, were kind of uh, objects of scorn. And God is saying, I will bring a king that is different. And he will reign from the throne of David. I will fulfill my promise to you my people. This passage also tells us, makes clear, not only is he from the throne of David or from the line of David, but that who this is speaking of is Jesus himself. In fact, in Matthew chapter 2, we see that the New Testament actually uses this passage to point to the birth of Jesus. Matthew chapter 2, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And he assembled all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people. He inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. And so there we see, in a sense, a paraphrase of this prophecy from Micah. And so we see that Jesus is this one that is being foretold so many years before Who is this king? He is the promised king 
of the line of David. And whenever we are reminded of this idea of covenant promise, we're reminded of the faithfulness of God, that the God that we serve is true to his word. But he's not only the king from the line of David. Who is this king? He is king from eternity. We're told here that he will come forth from God the Father. That is, his origin is a heavenly origin. Look, he says, uh, uh, um, from you shall come forth from me. From God the Father, he will send this king And not only will he come of heavenly origin, but notice it says, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. This speaks of the fact that that, that literally from from days and and years without number. Speaking of the fact that this king is king from all eternity past. That he has no beginning and will have no end. That he is the unchanging king. And and the fact that this is pointing to Jesus, it reminds us of the fact that though at Christmas time we celebrate the coming of Jesus, the incarnation, as he takes on flesh, uh, is, is born of a virgin, laid in the manger, that that is not his beginning. In fact, that Jesus has been king over all the universe For all eternity. That he did not cease for one moment. Not only in his perfect deity. But in his universal lordship. And so. Who is this king that we worship? He's from the line of David. He is the king of eternity. He is coming to rule. And his physical manifestation of his kingly rule is for all eternity because it belongs solely to him. But this passage goes on. It helps us to understand more. He is king whose purpose will prevail in his prescribed time. In verses, you know, in verse 2, we see, in a sense, a prophetic word that speaks about how Jesus, the promised king, would come. And and where we stand here today, this is now something that has been fulfilled. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in fulfillment of the word of God. Uh, But then when we, by the time we get to verse 4, we see something that is not yet, that has not yet taken place. One of the challenges is we study Old Testament prophecy that the Old Testament prophets themselves wrestled with is that in the Old Testament, it is not easy to see. If that's all that we had, just the Old Testament, it is not easy to see that Christ would come not once, but twice. First, to come in order to be our Savior, to lay his life down as a payment for our sin, just as we have celebrated in the table of communion. And that he will come again, uh, not to save the world, but as king and judge. And so, 
The prophets of the Old Testament struggle to see this, though it is there in the Old Testament, because we see examples like Isaiah chapter 53, where clearly it is shown that this Savior, this Messiah, this Jesus who would come, will be a suffering servant. But then there are many other passages where it speaks about the fact that he will be a conquering king. Even the passage, if you were here last, last week with us, that we saw in Isaiah chapter 9, it speaks of, uh, of that which he will do, that it, the government shall be upon his shoulders, that he will establish the throne forever and ever and ever. And to that we continue to wait. But here in Micah 5, we get a glimpse of these two comings because in verse 2, we see that the first coming, his incarnation in Bethlehem spoken of. But then in verse 3, we see this statement, therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return. And we're reminded that this is the king whose purpose will prevail in his prescribed time. Literally, uh, the words that are being spoken here literally mean he will abandon them. Now, we don't like to think of this idea of God abandoning his people, but what he's speaking of here is the fact that there is coming a time where because of the rejection of the people, and this is talking in particular of the, uh, of the Jewish people, the people of Israel, that because of a large-scale rejection, that God will set them aside in order to bring in the full measure of the Gentiles, of which most of us are a part, so that in His perfect time, He will again take up His people Israel, and that there will be a great and final bringing in a regathering of the people. Because God is faithful to his promise. Though the people had rejected and broken covenant with God, God will never break covenant with his people. And that is wonderful news. And so this giving up here is reflective of what we see repeatedly in the New Testament. Even in the book of Romans chapter 11, we see this idea that, 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 that many of the Jewish people, because of their rejection of Christ as their Messiah, have in a sense been set aside until the full measure of the Gentiles come in. And then, then God will again, regather his people. They will come to an understanding that Jesus is the Messiah that they had hoped and waited for. Now, it's easy to look at this passage and to think that, that it is referring perhaps to, to, to Mary. Maybe she's the one who is in labor, but that simply doesn't fit the context. In the book of Micah, the previous chapter, we read, now why do you cry aloud? Is there no king in you? Has your counselor perished? That pain seized you like a woman in labor? Writhe and groan, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in labor. For now you shall go out from the city and dwell in the open country. You shall go to Babylon. This is speaking of the fact that Israel themselves are this woman who is in labor. And so when the promise in Micah 5 is spoken, he shall give them up or he shall abandon them until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. And then the rest of the brothers shall return. This is speaking about Israel themselves and the fact that they will be regathered. And we see that even in Micah chapter 2 
as the, there is a similarity in some of the ideas here uh, to what we see here in Micah chapter 5. I will surely assemble you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like a sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men. He who opens the breach goes up before them. They break through and pass the gate going out by it. Their king passes on before them. The Lord is at their head and is speaking again of this fact that though they have strayed from God, there is coming a time when God will regather his people and that the promised king, who is Jesus Christ, will lead them and shepherd them to his good purpose and in obedience to his leading. This reminds us that even while we may not see or comprehend all that God is doing, it seems strange to us that we would read here about the fact that part of God's promise here is, I'm going to set you aside for a season. That makes us uncomfortable. But it reminds us of the reality that we have a God who is utterly faithful and that his purpose always endures. That his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And there are a lot of times in your life and in mine where we, we, we experience different things and we think, where is God in the midst of this? God, why don't you show up in this situation? What are you waiting for, God? God, you have promised good. But I don't see how it can possibly come from this. But know that all of the Lord's plans, all of his works are good and wise. If you feel like you're in a season of waiting, if you feel like you're in a season where, where it just, it almost feels like you've kind of been set aside. Know that while I don't understand all that God is doing, we can have confidence because his ways are always wise and good, because his promises are always faithful and sure, because no good plan of God can ever be thwarted. And so, just as we're instructed in Psalm 27, if you feel like you're in a place of waiting, a place of uncertainty, a place where you feel like you're kind of being put on a shelf for a little while, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord because he is the king whose purpose will prevail in his prescribed time. But more than that, he is the king who will shepherd all his people in strength. Here in Micah 5, again, he says, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall, be, they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And so, we see here that as a shepherd, God is one, or this king, this Messiah, this promised one, Jesus Christ, he will shepherd and lovingly lead and guide and protect his people. Throughout the scriptures, we see this beautiful picture that God is a good shepherd. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Jesus declares, I am the good shepherd. And as a good shepherd, he leads and he guides and he provides for and he protects his people. And here through the prophet Micah, God is is reminding his people generations and generations ago. That though right now you have rejected me, I have not abandoned you forever. I will send my promised king and I will restore. And in that day, you will dwell secure because you will dwell under the mastery, the lordship, the kingship of the good shepherd. It says that he will do this as God in all majesty. We're told here that he will shepherd his people in the strength and the majesty of Yahweh the Lord, almighty God. But he's not just coming as a representative of God with authority and power from God, but as we learned last week in Isaiah chapter 9, this promised one, this one who would come, will be God himself, wonderful counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And as we're promised here as the king, he will bring security because he is the protector of his people. And his reign in that day when he comes again will be universal. He shall be great, it says, to the ends of the earth. So who is this king that we have come to worship? We, we come to worship the king who is from the line of David, the one who is the fulfillment of the promised covenant of God. We come to worship the, the king who is from eternity, who has no beginning and no end. We come to worship him who is the king whose purpose will prevail in his prescribed time. All that he has said he will do. He is the king who will shepherd his people in strength. And then this portion of Micah ends by reminding us that we come to worship this king. He is the king of peace. The king of peace. This passage that we've been looking at here in Micah 5, in a sense, is actually giving an answer to a question that Micah's hearers would have, having heard the words of Micah chapter 4. Let me read them to you and show you what I mean. It shall come to pass, Micah chapter 4, verse 1. It shall come to pass that in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. And it shall be lifted up above the hills. And people shall flow to it. This is speaking of Jerusalem will be like the capital of all the earth. And all the nations will come to it. And many nations shall come and say, verse 2, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples and shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. 
and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the peoples walk each in the name of his God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. In that day the Lord uh, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather those who have been driven away and those whom I have afflicted and the lame I will make uh, the, the remnant and those who were cast off a strong nation and the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from this time forth and forevermore. We have this wonderful promise of all that God will do as he establishes his rule and reign from sea to sea and shore to shore that the nations will gather in worship to him. And maybe the people in Micah's day were left asking the question, that's all well and good, God, but how will that happen? That seems so that seems so impossible. We look at this world that we live in that is so broken and that is so corrupt. We look at the fact that people are doing their own things and have no care for God. How will this happen? And God's answer, I'll send a king. I'll send a king unlike any other king. I'll send a king in a way that will amaze you. I send a king who is worthy of worship. I send a king who fulfills every one of my promises because he is the fulfillment of the covenant through the line of David. I send a king who is from eternity, who is the unchanging one. I send a king whose purpose will prevail and whose plans will not be thwarted. I send a king who will shepherd his people, just like the king, earthly kings are supposed to do, but don't. I'll send a good shepherd, and I'll send a king who will establish peace forever and ever and ever. How? A child born in a manger. A child born in a place of no significance. Will grow up to be a man who is acquainted with suffering. Who will bear the sins of his people on a cross and die brutally. But who will rise victorious from the grave. Claiming victory over death and hell. Who will ascend to the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And who will come again. To rule. And to reign. What is this peace. That this king of peace will bring. How is it that Christ has done this. Well, in this passage in chapter 4 of the book of Micah that I've just read to you, we see that he will bring an end to hostility. That, friends, there is coming a day when Christ returns, when wars shall cease, when swords and spears will be beat into plowshares. Hostility will end. It's coming a day when Christ returns that there will be no more fear. There is nothing that will make us afraid because under his 
perfect shepherding and kingship. He will be protector, sovereign, ruler. And this passage, even here in this prophetic word, tells us that he will bring peace because we will be restored to right relationship with God. For all the people walk each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever. Friends, we wait for the fullness of the peace that this Savior, this Messiah, this King will bring when He comes again. But even now, even today, peace is available. Peace of knowing that we are restored to a right relationship with God because our sins are forgiven. Because our iniquities have been washed away. And so the Apostle Paul in the New Testament book of Romans is able to say, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace is available. A peace that is not so much the absence of hostility in this world that we live. That's coming. Peace that is not so much a, there's never anything that would frighten us. That's coming. But peace that knows that enmity with God has ceased. And beloved friendship, sonship, is ours through this Savior, through this King. Do you know that you have peace with God? Because if you don't know that, know that it is available today through faith in Jesus Christ. How do we do that? How do we put our faith in Jesus Christ? We believe that He is who He says He is and that He has done what He said He would do. And we confess, God, I am a sinner. I am like the people of Israel all those years ago. I have gone my own way. I've chosen my own path. I have ignored and rejected Your covenant. I've ignored and rejected Your commands. And I have ignored and rejected Your counsel. But I don't want to do that anymore. Would You forgive me for my sin? Because I want to follow you. If you've never done that, I would invite you to take that step today. But I ask the question up front, who is this king that we come to worship? Do we have an understanding of this king that we have talked about? Do we recognize him? This king that we come to worship is Christ Jesus, the promised Lord, who is the only Savior, the true King, for whose return we wait. So how do we respond to the greatness of who this King is? Well, according to the words that we find here in Micah, the first thing is that we can take great comfort and find hope in Him because of the faithfulness of God that God will not leave his people without help. That God 
will fulfill every promise. And so even where you don't see God working right now, wait for him and take comfort. He is faithful. He has been faithful in the past and he will continue in his faithfulness to you wherever you are and whatever you're going through. Take comfort. We respond to this truth about who this king is, who this Christ is that we celebrate at Christmas time and indeed all year long. Because we recognize the perfect plan of God that he will accomplish his purpose in his time. Don't fear the fact that God does not work in your time. Don't fear the fact that he does not work in the way that we often expect him to work. Because his ways are so much higher than ours. And his timing is always right and perfect. But then when we consider this kingship of Christ and we wonder how do we respond to it, do we come like those crowds looking for a celebrity to entertain them? Is that what we expect when we gather for church? Is that what we expect when we think of this king? Just join the crowd and see what happens. Do we come to this king thinking maybe he can give us something for me? Or do we come to worship and bow down? recognizing who he is and laying our lives before him. It's interesting that this passage that we find in Micah is then quoted in the book of Matthew and is quoted in the book of Matthew where we see those two different groups. We see the Magi, the wise men, and we see King Herod. And we see very different responses there. These Magi, they come, they say, where is the king that we might Worship him. And Herod, when he hears about this king, he fears. He is unsettled. He is angry and he will lash out and kill every child that he can find in Bethlehem. Because for some, when we hear of this king, all we can do is fall before him in worship. But for others, when we hear of this king, it arouses a sense of rivalry in our hearts. I don't want this king because this king threatens the authority of my life. I don't want this king because like Herod, that means that I would have to bow down before him, that I would have to lay down my rights to be Lord. Many of us, when we think of this king, many of us, when we think of this king, have to take a step back again and we have to stop and we have to reflect. Are we threatened by him? Are you in a place today where you hear all that has been said, where you see in the words of Scripture how this king is described, but you think, I don't want to take the risk that comes from giving up kingship over my life. Or do you see what has been said? Do you see what the Scriptures proclaim? 
And you say, God, I renounce the lordship of my life. I abdicate my throne because I want you to reign in my life just like you reign in all the universe. Who is this king? Who is this king of peace that we come to worship? And how will we respond to him? Father, we thank you that you are a God who rules and reigns over all things. And as we are here in this Advent season, it is good for us to be reminded again of the greatness of Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, the King that you have given. Oh Lord, forgive us for times where we find ourselves threatened by the idea of giving up control in our lives to this good and perfect King. Forgive us for times where we find ourselves doubting or fearful because we look at our circumstances and they seem so overwhelming and we wonder if you are truly good. Remind us again of the greatness and faithfulness of your promises. Teach us to look to Jesus, the King who has come and the one who is coming again. And Lord, may we know the peace that comes from having our sins forgiven and being found in you. Lord, As Pastor Rich mentioned earlier, this sense of longing and expectation. Lord, may we long for the return of Christ. Setting our hope in the final fulfillment of your promise. And living now, even now, under the kingship of Jesus Christ in such a way that we would set this hope, this promise, and this peace before the people of our community that they might see and come to know Jesus too. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. Let's rise together one more time in body or in spirit and respond in song to this word we have received together this morning. Let's sing this together.
What a beautiful name. What a wonderful name. What a powerful name our King Jesus has. He is Lord of Lords. He is King of Kings. He is the giver of peace. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance toward you and give you peace. God bless. Have a wonderful week as you go now to love and serve the Lord as recipients of and as ambassadors of this Prince of Peace. Amen.